You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 116 of the Real Reading Podcast. You can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. It's been a big week in a year of big and arguably not exactly exciting weeks. And while the national news might be quite positive at the moment, locally our independent businesses are operating with a handicap and even the national chains like, look like blowing a big hole in the retail landscape. So that's the headlines this week, uh, along with a fun story about a Reading bus that went behind the Iron Curtain. And in addition, we'll be speaking to Berkshire Vision about their Christmas campaign. Um, Hugh, uh, we have a bit of admin with you, um, just in case anybody was wondering, the bell of Heath and Watkins may well, the doorbell of Heath and Watkins may well occasionally be heard in the background. Um, Why is that, Hugh? Tell us. Uh, It's very interesting. It's because... We have an indoor doorbell and another doorbell that's in the garden for in case my partner's not in, actually physically in the shop when people come in and the one in the garden doesn't seem to be working. So we have to have the indoor one, which I normally turn off for the podcast. We have to have it on. So Fine. That's why. So we'll, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it as and when, uh, as and when it arrives. And there it is. We're on cue. <laughs> it was very quiet. Thank you. Um, Rach, how are you? All right. bit coldy today yes. this week but feeling better than i was yesterday you'll be glad to hear so yes. a bit less grumpy than i was <laughs> on our planning call both you you missed our planning call yesterday but rachel and i were both in a funk we were we weren't so, pleasant were no, we? we were so grumpy yeah it was a great. good old rant yes about a few things and moaned about feeling rubbish but I had a bath, an early night, <laughs> fairly good night's sleep. So, yeah, feeling a little bit brighter today. So, back to my usual self, thankfully. Oh. I would like to so enjoy it. It's quite grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have loved it, Hugh. Yes. Right up your street. <laughs> good old moan. Yeah. Shall we move on? It's Indie Corner time. Hello, everybody. I am with Shona Ranson. Uh, hello, Shona. Hi, Tom. Tell us a little bit about your business. So I run a lovely business, if I do say so myself, called Satisfaction, which is a fabric shop and sewing school based in Wokingham. So we're a fun, modern, friendly fabric shop and upstairs we have a really lovely studio that teaches uh, sewing classes and craft classes and workshops. So we sell dressmaking fabrics, so modern, beautiful fabrics that people can make into their own clothes. That's predominantly what we sell. We also sell dressmaking patterns from lots of independent pattern companies. And then we sell things like little craft kits and sewing gifts and haberdashery. 
we say, oh, you can join any of our classes, but you probably need to start at the beginning. So we do um, complete beginners, the people that have either not touched a sewing machine for a very long time or never, um, and build them up, uh, teaching them how to use the machine. And then we also do everything up to kind of more advanced levels, like sewing your own jeans, making lingerie, sewing shirts. So we've got something for everyone. So obviously this year, uh, like for a lot of small businesses, has been quite tricky, but we are now taking bookings in the studio for classes for next year. The studio and the shop are all COVID secure, so we're really excited to get students back in um, and the shop is back to full-time opening, so we're looking forward to welcoming it. We have a website which is soisfaction.co.uk. Um, all of our classes, workshops, everything are on there, and all of our fabrics and products are on there as well. And we send uh, via the website all around the world. So if people um, aren't local, they can order online as well. And then we do a lot on social media, so Instagram, Facebook, you can find us at Soisfaction. So that was Indie Corner. Uh, always enjoy an Indie Corner. That's the fourth one. Look out for that um, and go and go and support them. That would be really great if you can. Um, now, guys, I sent you something yesterday, which was quite. I, I really enjoyed this, and uh, it's called the People Map of the UK, and it is a map that uh, highlights the searches that people have made um, where city and names are replaced by their most Wikipedia resident people in lived in or connected to that place um and we obviously it goes right down to to the local area and i thought we would just play a little game rachel and i i think know most of the answers uh, so i thought we'd play a little game rachel with hugh because i don't yeah. think he's seen this and um, no, we thought we'd I'll see if we could... okay yeah but you, you're terrible yeah, at remembering. you're terrible at remembering things anyway so that's true so should Go we on. play a little game should we so who is the most wikipedia resident uh, born in, lived in, or connected to Reading? Uh, I reckon it would either be Ricky Gervais or the Duchess herself, Kate, Kate, or Kate of Middleton. It's it's funny that you would go, you would put, I would have thought you would have just said just then, just to cover up the fact that you were pretending that you didn't know who this was. Or <laughs> you'd have gone for, I'd have thought it was Gervais or Winslet, but no, you've, you've kind of ruined the entire ruse that we've got going here. But yes, it is indeed Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge, most associated with, uh, with Reading. Um, she's also most associated with Bucklebury, Pangbourne. Uh, and let me just have a look. Yeah, th th those are the, those are the most local ones. So she was born what? in the Barks. That's why, isn't it? Yes, I, I, lived I think in that's Reading. Right. No, her family live in Buckleberry. Yes. What's, I wonder what the Pangbourne connection is. I think she went to school oh. in Pangbourne. Oh, okay. Okay. So what about then some of the more but interesting ones? Uh, some of the more interesting ones on this list. Then what about Shinfield, Hugh? Shinfield? I haven't got a clue. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh, it's quite a good one as it's well. It's good. It's a good one. Mm. Um, Dawn French. Oh, Dawn French. Yeah, she she lives. She doesn't live there anymore. No, I think she lives um, in Devon Danny. now. Devon, Devon or Cornwall. Yeah. Yeah, one one she lived there with Lenny Henry, and I think they also lived in Mortimer, which is yeah, another West Berkshire village. Yes. What about? Uh, let's have a look. Shall we go to? Let's go to Sonning. Uh, Yuri Geller. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, Which, uh, well, you say definitely, but George Clooney. Clooney, yeah. Oh, that's, true. that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yuri, like, Yuri Geller lived there for so long <laughs> and okay. had so many antics. 
<laughs> Mainly involving spoons. Yes. yes. And Michael um, Jackson at one point, I believe. Yeah, just, he yes. come My mum tells ex some excellent stories about how she had to cover Yuri Geller's. I don't think it was his wedding. I think it was the renewal of his wedding vows, to which Michael Jackson was his best man. <laughs> but, that is just uh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the yeah the uh, the media weren't allowed in. She had to wait outside, but she was there when Michael Jackson arrived. I think uh, he was wow. covered in towels. Oh, <laughs> he had a bath, Sorry. or he was just uh, he was hiding. Yeah, he was hiding. He was hiding. Yeah. Oh. What about uh, what about Wargrave? Oh, I know this. I, yeah, I, I know this one. I've been to the house as well. Okay, it's, is, it, is it Paul Daniels or it's Paul Daniels? It is Paul Daniels. Oh, this is what you said this the other week, didn't you, about having a yeah. rubbage on the fridge or something? Yeah, I went through, that went through the <laughs> fridge, yeah. <laughs> okay, what about uh, Englefield? Englefield. I don't know anyone famous who comes from Englefield. Uh, so um, former a, MP Richard Benyon. Oh, yeah. um, yeah. Okay, here you go. Here's, here's one. You'll get this one, Hugh. Early. Oh, I, yeah, I did see. I actually, get this one. It's, it's a it's a Viscount, isn't it? Yes, not yeah. a biscuit. Into biscuit, no. nice. Henry Addington, first Viscount Sidmouth. He was a British statesman who served as Prime Minister from eighteen o one to eighteen o four. Best known for obtaining the Treaty of Amiens. In 1802, an unfavourable. I'll have to open it to see what the rest says. But it was apparently it was an unfavourable peace with France, I presume. Um, One more, Hugh. Just just, we just do one more. Yeah, you've got to do one more. One more. Um, So, Burfield, Hugh. Burfield. Sadly, it's not me. It's yeah, it's not you, Hugh. (laughs) It's your mum, Linda. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, I do also know the answer to this one, I'm afraid, because then I'm, I think I'm almost solely do. responsible for it for the ongoing PR campaign for one, <laughs> the one and only the uh, winning school legend that is uh, Ricky Whittle, who is most Wikipedia'd man in uh, in Burfield Common. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I'll just uh, I'll just raise a couple of others very quickly. Uh, Wokingham is Nicholas Holt, uh, Hollywood actor Nicholas Holt. Of about a boy fame, uh, I can't remember what he's. He's probably done some more things more recently. X Men. He's in. He's in some oh, of the X Men films. X Men, and also um, George Canning uh, is the most Google most Wikipedia'd person uh, for Relative? Bracknell. Um, don't know. Not sure. Never. Never checked. Want to go and check, but haven't. Haven't managed to. Um, he was a Tory statesman who served as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from April to August, eighteen twenty-seven. Uh, the shortest serving Prime Minister. So, claim to fame <laughs> there. Um, there's a, there's a couple of in, in in that sort of East Berkshire region. There's a couple of sheikhs as well who are who are well searched for around there. So, okay, we shall move on. Here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, it's headline time. Um, up first, so we I sort of talked in the intro um, and you might have noticed a little bit of uh, sort of, I don't know, just... Oh God! Here we go. Kind of in my voice. If you heard that, well, well, well picked up. Um, 
Debenhams, Arcadia, and What Next? Uh, there's a pun in that title. Um, but obviously, the news this week, it looks like we are going to be losing Debenhams from the high street. We are probably going to be losing, amongst others, Topshop, Burton, uh, is it Miss Selfridge, I want to say? Uh, and a couple, is it Dorothy Perkins, I think, is the other one. I'm not entirely sure if we if they will I think they are they've gone into administration rather than definitely closing, but I think it looks almost certainly that, that Debenhams is is closing and and whatever you kind of think about these places, you know, and, and there will be people screaming, literally screaming at their podcast device, going, Yeah, but what about the independents? Go and shop at independence. I think the reality is though, a lot of people go to the these places bring people into towns. Big department stores bring people into towns, and I don't think it's controversial to say that particularly. So losing them, I think, is is a big blow, not least because somewhere like Debenhams in the Oracle takes up a massive amount of space. Yeah. Um, what what do you make, Rach? We'll, we'll we'll start with you. What what do you make of what do you make of all of this? Bit of a worrying situation, isn't it? Really, um, I think what you said before was right that you do in any town centre. You want to have a nice mixture of high street and larger department stores alongside the independents so they all have their appeal and draw people to the to the town to spend their their money hopefully sort of fairly equally across the the various platforms but um i mean debenhams has been closed for a few months now since the end of the well it didn't reopen after the first lockdown did it and it's a it's a big unit there in the oracle and i can't think of any other retailers who would be big enough to fill that whole retail space so i assume they will probably sort of chop it down into the three is it three floors or some isn't it yeah yeah something like that um it is a shame i'll be interested to see what they do with it and it makes me worry for the for the smaller high street shops as well um and it's a shame because it, it almost got got saved didn't it yeah um, very close and then it hasn't happened so you there is there is something coming to that store isn't it is it is it already open uh it's the next health and beauty beauty and home i think it's called beauty and home place yeah um i think it was i, I think it was open yeah i think it has it has opened um, I today, mean, I assume. I think it's today, the third. I think we, according to the yeah, story, it's the Wednesday. Yeah, the well, yeah. I was, I was getting a bit confused because I, I knew it was coming, and I thought it had, it had already opened after the closure. But I, I guess, I guess not. It just shows that how lockdown it is. That I haven't actually been into the Oracle for, <laughs> <laughs> for since, yeah. since since March. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean these. Um, these chains all closing one after the other is certainly very worrying. I mean, what they're, what they're doing with house of Frasier is it's going to convert into this sort of crazy golf complex with restaurants and, you know, sort of fun leisure yeah. activities. And I just wonder if um, part of someone might bring something else like that. I don't know, like a laser quest or something like that to, um, <laughs> to uh the rest of the debenhams unit I don't, um i'm not it, it doesn't actually say how much of the unit next are taking i can't i can't i don't know it doesn't feel like they would take all i think is it three floors they've massive, probably taken it? quite yeah. a chunk in the oracle haven't they they've yeah. sort of fairly recently in the last year or so moved in there into where um 
was it where HM no Waterstones was isn't it yeah and it's double two floors so it did sound like it was more of um from reading the article they're going to be stocking sort of quite high-end mm. beauty products all the sort of designer stuff um which i think debenhams did do a bit of anyway yeah so hopefully I mean, maybe the same people who were going there will return anyway I mean, what, what, what we've seen in Reading is, you know, we see all these places closed, but we, we often see them repla replaced fairly quickly with, with other things. I mean, there's a, a lot of the sort of retailers gone and been replaced with food stuff. Yeah. We've got this new restaurant, Tortilla, um, that has taken a unit. Um, Where's that? In Broad Street. That's relatively new. I think that took a unit, which was Virgin Media, I think it was before. Okay. Um, oh, I know, down got, at the M&S end. Yes. Yeah, and um, and then there's you know the Wendy's took over the old nationwide fairly swiftly after that shut as well. I mean, neither of those two to retail, I must admit, but there are there seems to be a fairly reasonable turnaround of stuff. It's not necessarily retail replacing retail, but it's it's something replacing something, which um, which gives you a little bit of hope. But um, yeah, this this in the last. I think it's the last month or something. So many big of the big sort of familiar high street chains have gone. Um, so I saw on Twitter, there's a really long list of which I can't ho only remember the Edinburgh Woolen Mill for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Is this your favourite shop? Yeah, I love that shop. Yeah, I mean, it's going on in Wokingham all the time. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, the times they are changing. Um, Topshop would be a big loss, I think. Yes, I hope you know, Top man, I always had this complaint that you know, if you're a slightly larger, larger gentleman, there's no their sizes. You can never find any clothes in Top Man. Not that I've been in there for about twenty years. <laughs> I was going to say it's a bit but, cool uh, for me. I yeah. haven't been in Topshop for a but long they're time. Quote unquote large was like you know like a crop top. On. <laughs> so <laughs> I never bothered with it really, but. Um, the it is, it is sad to see all these familiar names departing. The interesting one for me was always Burton, Burton menswear, because growing up in Bracknell, um, you either, as a teenager, most most young men, most sort of teenage boys, got their smart clothes from Burton menswear because it was really the only place you could go to get and try on clothes in, in, in Bracknell Town Centre. People say Bentles, um, but, you know, you needed a second mortgage to afford anything from Bentle. So that was always um, very unlikely to be able to, to pop into the old Bentle store and, and get something. Everything in there was just slightly too kind of designer for, for those of us who didn't really have a clue about what was going on and just wanted a smart shirt. So every every nightclub, every time you went out to the pub, everybody would be dressed in something from Burton's. But so it'd be, I, I personally will shed a shed a tear if uh, if that goes but the one thing i just wanted to kind of highlight all of these all of these empty stores does it give an opportunity for independents to move in to some of these stores now obviously they're not necessarily going to move into a three floor department store but it, it does perhaps give give reading's high street the opportunity to to sort of reshape itself and i guess it will depend a bit on rents and and stuff like that what what do you think Hugh? um Potentially, yes. Um, I, I would, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to see if some um, some more independence in Reading. Um, 
like Rachel said, you can't just have a town consisting entirely of um, independent traders. There are some places around where they're much smaller towns, not places like Reading, but there are some some towns where mo- very high percentages of these independent shops, haberdasheries and things like that. But Reading's Reading's market isn't isn't that. So you're gonna have some have some chains, and it's 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 I suppose it's encouraging in a way to see next next. You know, there are some of these chains just expanding where others are going, um, and so I think that it'd be interesting to see what happens to the high street. Um, but I think the mix of independence and and chains will all, will be there for the next few years at yeah. least. Um, and I can't, I actually, I, I can't really imagine a town like Reading just being a kind of ghost town. It's too, it's too busy. Um, and so once things, <laughs> once things return to normal, <laughs> um, We'll um we'll have to see. I mean, Reading's Reading's market is kind of office workers, isn't it? And so, yeah. if the the big concern that I would have if I was a trader is that if the demographic changes, so people aren't don't go back to the office full time or don't go back to the office at all um, and remain working at home, then you know your your independence, like places like my favourite place in the whole world, Shed, and uh, others are going to they're going to really suffer. So, um, or even if they use them as pop-up shops, yeah, in, like as because I bet a lot of people Short-term. have started up businesses, um, making things type companies mm. during the the lockdown, and it was a bit of a shame because there was a little independent shop in Caversham um, that moved into the old Lakeland unit in the Oracle. Um, kind of October time and they they I assume it's like a renter shelf basically so different independent producers can rent a space in this shop and so there's loads of really lovely local um, locally produced gifts and stuff um, so it opened in the Oracle for for Christmas and then of course the the second lockdown hit so they haven't sort of felt any benefit yeah. but maybe that is quite a you know, to sort of spread the cost a bit. I mean, I assume they have to pay a rent to have their stuff in the shop. But yeah, I think I think somewhere like Reading won't be as badly hit as other places in the country um, because you had that kind of you know, it's this kind of centre of shopping in 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 Berkshire, if you like, and. Um, once more people start returning to work, it'll get busier again. Um, if that happens, I guess the concern is always the un- the unknown of of how things are going to work in the future. Um, and you know they're banking on thousands and thousands of people moving into flats being built around the town centre, um, and so that is, you know, those people will use local businesses of, of all of all kinds. Um, so that is something, you know, say what you like about flats, rabbit hutches, et cetera, et cetera, slums of the future, all the things we see in our comment section every time we write a story about development. Um, but those people, if if they get built and those people move into those flats, they will use the town and the, and the town centre and the traders and stuff like that. So um, I don't think Reading has an overly bleak future 
Um, but there will be some concerns about how, how things work in the future once we all get the vaccine and everything's turned yeah. returns the normal ne next year. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks you. Thanks Rach. Um, I just want to move on to the next story because I forgot to put the timer on for that story. So we've, we've talked quite a, quite, quite a length, but the, the second story on our, on our list of, of headlines is um, about milk. It's, it's a, it's talking, talking of shed, Hugh milk is above, is above, shed at um in merchant's place uh and it's the story about a reading bar owner who's hit out over new tier two restrictions for the town i just want to read a little bit of what connie kane who is one of the owners of milk in merchant's place has said she's written this letter an open letter to uh matt mp matt rodder who is the labor mp for reading east i always get those two mixed up um oh. But she says, since July 4th, 2020, I've spent endless time and money putting in place new restrictions, controlling crowds, dealing with abuse, keeping customers safe, all the while maintaining high customer service levels and a hospitable environment. Myself and directors, owners, managers of other venues have had to go above and beyond to keep the general public safe, as well as compliant to rules that we have, haven't personally put in place, but we kept on for four months whilst other sectors abuse the system. Our staff have had to go above and beyond to keep the general public safe while still being able to keep smiling eyes and gracious service. Before the second lockdown, a person could walk into a Sainsbury's, go to Primark, pop into Boots, grab a Starbucks and stop at a florist on the way to the pub. If they picked up the virus in any of those places, the pub is the only place that would need to close. Why have I lost my golden quarter but everywhere else is, op is okay to open? Is the closure of bars not simply going to encourage house parties in an uncontrolled environment? We've done what has been asked of us. We have adapted. We have retrained. We have relearned how to talk to people. We have relearned how to do our jobs. And we are still the first to be singled out by the government. Um, strong words, I think. And um, I, I'm not one often to post things on Twitter about annoying annoying sort of political slants and points like that but this has just worn me down and this is one of the things Rachel and I were moaning an awful lot about last night I no one is no one is suggesting that coronavirus has gone away no one's taking it lightly but it does seem that pubs are being handicapped pubs and bars are being completely handicapped when in my own experience of going to them in the, between the two lockdowns was that the ones I went to were doing everything they could to keep people safe table service and then you've got this absolute nonsense about apparently a pasty isn't substantial and a scotch egg is a substantial meal it, you know it, it, for me and i'm sorry I, I know this is going to turn into a rant and i will let both of you have a chat at some point but um you know it's surely just just yes you can serve drink no you can't serve drink just make a flipping decision rather than this sort of you got to hop on one leg while humming a theme tune in order to have a drink um it's just it's just nonsense and it needs to be better it, 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 they have to do better and i think that if we're not careful by the end of all of these various lockdowns they won't be anywhere to go anyway so um over to you guys uh rach um i know obviously as i say we had quite a long rant about this yesterday and um just to condense it today a little bit yeah i have put the timer on so um <laughs> so don't worry people we, we will get off this it's, just <coughs> it's driving me insane i can imagine with your love of beer it's yes. very frustrating for you um i think it's just so many gray areas um that you know if you go to the pub and the pub does serve food so they're allowed to open and you ordered a pint and a meal and then they go off to cook your meal and in the meantime you've finished your pint 
are you allowed to then go and buy another pint? Yeah. And let's, you know, I'd assume that pubs, the, the biggest markup on anything they sell would be on the beer. That's where they make their money. Yeah. Well, not just beer, but um, the drinks and things. It just, it, I don't understand the rules around it. And the substantial meal thing is... <laughs> bit ridiculous and I did I was watching Matt Hancock uh, being interviewed this morning on breakfast tv and they obviously posed this question to him over whether a scotch egg counted as substantial because that is the main question in the country at the moment and he, he couldn't answer he couldn't just say yes or no it's I think that all of the hospitality industry has a sound understanding of what constitutes a substantial meal yeah okay but is that a scotch egg i think the hospitality industry understands it's, it's just it, round and round in circles and it the fact that you can only go there with people within your household as well like you can't meet a friend in a coffee shop or go for a drink and sit opposite them across the table and have a chat but I could go into Aldi with a hundred other people and have people leaning yeah. across me to reach the vegetables or whatever, and you know, breathing in my face and things, and it, it just—it's it's very as, confusing. As far as I'm aware, no supermarket has been fined for breaches of of coronavirus rules. Yet a pub would be in it, and there, and there was you know, there's this idea that Marks and Spencers can sell clothes, but your little boutique independent is has to shut. Why? Mm. Why is that? Why are they allowed to do that? And it, I just, it, it, it's. I find it just. Inc it's incredibly confusing and invites people to look for loopholes when they really. Sh we should all be concentrating on being sensible, staying safe, you know, doing what we can. But you know, all the while being able to go for a drink if we want, and 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 being smart and being sensible. And I just, you know. Aside from anything else, when who has ever had a scotch egg in a pub? It's just it shows the utter ridiculous nature of that, that they that someone in our in our government thought that uh, that the example of a scotch egg was a good thing to use. Yeah, yet uh, as I say, a pasty is not. Let me tell you, every time I've had a pasty, I have felt it was substantial. Um, Hugh, you've got like thirty seconds. Any thoughts? Uh, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, I can understand the logic of saying. Um, places like the the Purple Turtle, which is also quoted in that story, where they yes. don't do food at all, and you go there for a night out boozing. Yes. Um, as soon as you have three or four pints, you're 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 any kind of um, the likelihood is your your whole sort of discipline towards staying away from people and keeping your mask on and all that sort of stuff is going to go. Um, likewise with someone like the purple turtle the rule is would you go to the purple turtle with your mum <laughs> you wouldn't would you um, no <laughs> so she that, might love that's, it that's another stick no. that's another kind of stick the sticking point the um having to keep within your bubbles as well with yeah. the drinking with a drinking bar like a late night drinking bar i mean it's so i feel so sorry for them um the i spoke to paul clary who owns the london street brassery and he said, "What well, another thing the government doesn't even consider is the fact that one opening and closing all the time is really, really expensive um, for everyone. And two, 
you're sitting there with your family you get served at the bar by one person who's 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 part of a different bubble and then the, another person brings you your food who's part of another bubble and that's cooked so by the chef who's another cooked bubble. By, by the chef who's another bubble yeah and so it's impossible not to mix if you go to an eating re- eating restaurant obviously he's not saying i think eating restaurants should be closed because this is this is his livelihood and he's he's playing by the rules but the rules the fact that we've come out of lockdown today on wednesday and there are politicians on tv this morning on wednesday arguing about scotch eggs and whether scotch eggs constitute a meal or not and whether a pub if a, someone in a pub can bug a scotch egg in a microwave in in its non-existent kitchen and serve it with with a meal so it can as a meal so it can stay open is is also nonsense it it would be you know the government could just say if you've not operated as a food pub before you can't operate as a food pub now you can't just introduce what you consider to be a substantial meal so you can so you can reopen you have you're not you're a wet pub you're a drinking pub unfortunately as it's as it stands you have to close not oh well you might be able to be open if you can cobble together you know a microwave bit of fish and some oven chips you know it doesn't make any sense. And this, the theme throughout this whole pandemic is that these rules, since March, there have been new rules, new tiers, and throughout the whole thing, so what we're we looking at, nine months, has been no one has really understood what is happening, because, which suggests to me, you could argue if you're a cynic, having one politician going on the TV and saying, yes, you can have a Scotch egg, and another politician going on the TV the, TV the next day saying, we're not sure whether a substantial meal is a, is a, a Scotch egg. A Scotch egg is a substantial meal or not. You know, these people spend a lot of time with each other. They have meetings. They speak to each other on the phone. They have Zoom meetings. If one of them says a Scotch egg is a substantial meal and the other one says it isn't the next day, what are we supposed to think? And why are they doing it? Why don't they know? And if you're being very cynical, is it a deflection tactic so they can say, well, we, we, you should know the rules. You know, the rules are clear, even though they're contradicting each other all the time on different forms of media around, around every single day. And that's been the, a theme of this whole thing since March. So I don't blame anyone who gets annoyed with the rules because... The vast majority of people are confused by them. I've How do they police seven. it anyway? Right. We're not going to have wardens walking around the pubs and going, unfortunately, mm, you've only got a sandwich. That That's not substantial. But if you'd had a side of chips, that would have made it okay. Or a salad, yeah. Or a salad. Hugh should definitely have joined our planning call yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. In conclusion, yeah, pubs pubs and the hospitality sector have taken the absolute brunt of this and yep. throughout throughout the nine months of this the rules have been muddled and confusing and if i ran a, a bar or a pub i'd be extremely frustrated and looking past christmas now as well to another couple probably a couple of months of it and be extremely fed up and you do worry that even though lockdown has effectively ended today for us, we're in back into tier two, which sadly for me doesn't make too much of a difference between those two things. But people would potentially just think, I can't be bothered. Like, what, what's the point? I can go to the pub, but what's the point? Because I can't relax and do the things that I'd normally like to do in a pub. 
I'll just get some beers from the supermarket and stay home. I think that um, you, you've also got organ you sorry, to go to the pub, you have to go with someone from your bubble as well. Um and have a meal um on a you know, a Wednesday lunchtime. So how many people are gonna be doing that today? Yeah. How, you know? I think it's um I think it's fair to say that it, and it, it's not like us on this podcast particularly Kili, I think to um, go go politically one way or the other, um, we do like to just try and have a conversation about the local aspects of of the news. But I think I think all three of us are just significantly fed up with what is uh, with what is going on. I just wanted to round this off with just a, a quote which I really like um, from a post from the Purple Turtle on Gun Street, um, which I think sums everything up very nicely. It says uh, the virus doesn't infect the same in pubs with food and bars. Without sorry. The virus doesn't infect the same in pubs with food and bars without food. It seems to do a U-turn in midair when it sees a plate of fish and chips, which I think is just the sort of the, the to, to finish off. Um, what I'm going to do, I know we were going to talk about the uh, the bus going behind the Iron Curtain. I think we might might move that till till next week because we've we've covered a lot in the headlines and we've we've spoken a lot. And I, I had a feeling this might happen because given the amount of time Rach and I spent in the planning meeting yesterday, just being annoyed at everything uh, and i do apologize to our listeners who come in come in usually for our sort of jaunty jaunty banter and, and positivity i just i don't think any of us can do it at this point so um, it's like a bounce today wasn't oh, distinct lack yes but mm -hmm. you know if we're annoyed about it then i can only imagine what what your, av what your average regular person on the street that isn't as full of positivity as the three of us usually are so um shall we move on to the big interview which i think will be uh a, a lot a lot better and a lot smilier the big interview Uh, hi, everybody. I am here with James Garbutt, the marketing manager at Berkshire Vision, uh, a charity supporting visually impaired people uh, in, in Reading and Berkshire and, and, and I guess the surrounding area. James, hello. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Tom. How about yourself? Not so bad. Not so bad. You, you, so we're, we're doing this on a, on a Google Hangout call. You're actually back in an office. I, we've not had I any am. of these. When did, when did yeah. this happen? So it's a socially distanced office at the moment, right. uh, all of us in separate rooms, uh, <laughs> but we've been slowly sort of easing back, um, sort of in the past few weeks, slowly kind of easing back, uh, which has been nice. It's been nice to be sort of back in an office as well, which uh, obviously homeworking is very nice, but the novelty is worn out somewhat <laughs> at this yeah. point now. Yes, yeah, so, well and truly. So, so yes, I've been home working for about nine months now, and uh, in that time, I've managed to have a baby and uh, and have an eight have an eight week old baby. So, um, it, it's been the, the, yes, the novelty of being at home yeah. all the time has uh, has well and truly worn off, and I'm I'm looking forward to the day that we can go back. But might well be a while. So, but obviously, we're not here to talk about me. We are here to talk about Berkshire Vision. So, tell me a little bit about Berkshire Vision, um, the charity, and what you guys do. Sure. So it's a charity that's been around since all the way back since 1910. Uh, so it's very much one of the oldest charities in Berkshire. And sort of our, our mission is simple to sort of support the visually impaired uh, in Berkshire. And of course, normally the way we did it uh, was sort of through face-to-face -face activities. So people would visit people with visual impairments in their home and sort of see what they needed or through adapted sports and things like that and events. And of course, uh, the, the pandemic has sort of 
led to us having to change our services quite a fair bit at this present moment. Um, so we, in the recent months, we've adapted it recently to sort of go all online uh, to have so our members joining via the computer, by the phone, through remote events, as well as our, our befriending scheme, where we are sort of recruited hundreds of volunteers to, to call our members to make sure they're okay during this very turbulent and tricky time. Well, I, I guess I, I'm just kind of thinking it in my what, what sort of levels of visually impaired are we talking about? Are we, you know, are, are we, do, what, who, who are we, who are we talking about that Berkshire Vision helps then? Sure. So there's a real, real spectrum. Um, sort of, we support everyone who's got a vision impairment, and of course, there are so many. Sort of, one of the leading um, forms of people having vision impairments through macular degeneration. Uh, which, of course, is people who are more uh, affect more people over the 65 and up bracket. Um, but then also sort of there's things such as cataracts and glaucoma, which can affect people of, of various ages. Again, it sort of more generally affects the, the upper echelon. Um, but it is really much there's a wide spectrum of impairments that we support. And with each impairment, it's all very different requirements of what people need. Um, so sort of like... Um, uh, cataracts very much as the vision is very foggy and very sort of murky uh, which is very different to someone who has sort of um, cataracts where sort of part of their peripheral vision is, is blocked and and how do people kind of find Berkshire Vision? Is, is it, I, I, I don't know is it, is it something that kind of you're in hospital and, and you get recommended people get recommended how do, how do people find out about you how do they get involved yeah so that's that's one of the main ways uh, mine one of the main ways um, that people find us is that when they have been diagnosed with an impairment, we have someone who uh, can liaise uh, from us to them about sort of the support that Bartridge offers. But also we've had people kind of find us through um, just word of mouth. Uh, we, we used to run clubs in seven areas all across Berkshire, sort of from Slough to Windsor to Maidenhead. Uh, and sort of a lot of the ways that people would get involved with us is by finding out about these clubs and then getting involved with our charity through that way. So, yeah, yeah, it was the clubs were a good way for like people to meet other people who had a similar impairment to them, um, and, and kind of talk down and share their experiences. And have they just sort of temporarily stopped? They'll you'll be looking to get those back up and running again. Yeah, as soon as we can, they'll be back up and running again. I think just at the moment. I mean, fingers crossed, you know, 2021, we're able to, to bring them back. I think just at the moment, it's been hard to do. We have got coffee mornings where basically yeah. people have, you know, got put the kettle on at 11 o'clock, wherever they are, and had it sort of virtually remote. But it's not quite as, as nice as meeting someone physically and in the flesh. Yeah, it, it occurs to me ever so slightly that that because of everything that's happened this year, as a, as a marketing man working within a, 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 vision, a vision charity, you've missed a, a massive opportunity to go with a 2020 vision slogan there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's how we started the year. In, in January, <laughs> we had our 2020 Eurovision logo. And yeah. then who would have thought that 2020 would certainly not be a Eurovision, but basically a year of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it didn't feel quite right to continue the marketing campaign, publicising 2020 as a Eurovision when I think most yeah. people kind of want to forget that 2020 happened, I think, yeah. at the moment. I mean, I, I guess the only thing better than maybe 2020 vision would be 2021 vision. I don't know how the, yeah. I don't know how the actual thing works, but, you know, I'm just off the top of my head. So, so let's... Yeah. I've got you on because 
Berkshire Vision have got a a Christmas campaign that is up and running, and that is to to help people within within your membership. Um, tell me a little bit about the Christmas campaign. Yeah, so sort of, we're a local charity. We we support about five hundred members, um, and we just thought it's a nice way. You know, a lot of our members have had to isolate, um, and even with vision impairment, social distancing is so hard. Um, like the amount of sort of the services that they've all relied on for the past X number of years um, are gone, you know, and, and it's very hard social distance when you're visually impaired. Um, so it's, they've had a really, our man's had a really rough time of it and many have just been sort of unable to leave their house. Only time they can go get fresh air is in the garden. So kind of our senior leadership team kind of got together and said, what, what's a nice thing we could do? Especially when sort of, in 2020, there has been a lot of bad news. What's a nice little thing we could do, a little act of kindness? So kind of they put together a bit of a, a team to start wrapping up presents uh, and put things together, lovely little gift packages um, just to send to all our members. And we've got, literally as we speak, we have some of our staff going around the minibus, dropping off these gift packages, making sure they're okay, if there's anything they can do. And really just trying to sort of spread a bit of the festive spirit in this strange year and just doing something nice for our members yeah is it is it something that people outside of the charity can support as well absolutely absolutely so sort of there's there's various ways that you can support um sort of if you want to get in touch with us through our website uh where we've got sort of our phone number which is zero one one eight nine eight seven two eight oh three or alternatively email info at uk. there's sort of a variety of ways that people can help and alternatively we understand that people have their own commitments and responsibilities so mainly be able to like help in certain ways so if they want to come to us and say i could do this we're, we always need the most of support we can get because we're quite a local grassroots charity mm. so we rely a lot on the generosity and support of the public and, and i guess that kind of so I, I suppose how has fundraising been affected this year because it has been dire and and you hear stories of charities all over the place have struggled for fundraising have is there any is there any good news stories out of that how has fundraising been hit by by the by the last year yeah fundraising has been very difficult again sort of as a local charity we've relied on sort of very much liaison with the local community and local businesses to fundraise and that's sort of been one of the ways we do it and really um sort of with with you know events we'll often see if we can be there and of course that's been unable to happen this year so we very much are sort of relying on on individual donations now more than ever um so yeah fundraising has has been a tricky one where most of we had big events planned we had this huge sort of newbury tandem cycle race um planned for in may which of course we have had to continually cancel until the point we've just said that is you know <laughs> It's been postponed indefinitely, which again yeah. are two words very much to mark 2020. Um, but yeah, so it has been tricky. We're hoping that we can kind of get some stuff started again in 2021. Um, but, you know, until then, 2020 has very much been not a great year for fundraising. Mm. No, not not at all. So, so just sort of looking ahead then, it sounds like the charity and, and you guys have, have been kind of looking ahead to next year as well a little bit. What, what's in the bag for next year? What are you looking, what are you hoping to achieve? So a lot of the uh, services that we provide at the moment, uh, we've been asked to sort of continue even post-pandemic. Uh, so sort of the, the befriending scheme has been a huge success by people just, you know, their volunteers calling members once or twice a week, just seeing if they're okay. And I mean, 
even not in a pandemic, that's been hugely helpful for our members. They've said that they've really appreciated just having someone to chat to, someone to talk to. I've had reports from both members and volunteers that they've loved it and that they've had debates about everything uh, and like, you know, really sort of great shared common interests. Uh, and the same of our remote events, sort of people have really enjoyed kind of a quiz on Tuesday nights. And even though it's been tough, we, we're really proud that Partridge has still continued to bring our members together. In terms of what we've got going on in 2021, I think it's a case of like, we, we have plans, but we're, we're very much kind of seeing seeing how the year goes. We want to really kind of get people together again mm -hmm. in a safe manner when it's safe to do so. Um, and just kind of like, I think we're a charity that has really been helped and supported by the Berkshire community. And we really just want to celebrate that in 2021 if, if we get the chance to. Um, now, last year, 2019, you had a big win at the Pride of Reading Awards. Um, and I think it was it was Richard. We were talking about this just before we started. Um, what does Richard do for you guys? And, and, and what did that prize mean? Yeah, so um, Richard is our office manager. He's been with Berkshire for a few years now. And he is one of the reasons Berkshire Vision is able to run so efficiently. He is great. He, he mans the phones. Our members love him. Uh, he, he's so helpful. He runs our resources centre as well. So often people come in saying that they need, you know, a, a resource or a bit of tech to help them do X. And he's the first one. It's like, right, okay, come into the resource centre and we'll see what we can do. Um, so he's very much like the pumping heart of Berkshire Vision. Um, and again, he has a vision impairment as well. So he very much understands some of the struggles that our members face. And I think the Pride of Reading Award, it was about, it was November 2019 if my memory serves me correctly. September, I think. September. Maybe, you, might, you might be right. I, can't, I know I was there, but it was a bit hazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I only say November because I remember it was just like, it was about a week before I started here. Okay. Um, so sort of, I, and I, I heard about it and it was a real, a really great win because he got Employee of the Year and he very proudly still has that sort of trophy on his desk. Um, and I think it's just a case of like, it was so nice for him to be recognised because he's done so much for Barch Vision. He's leapt out of airplanes with several thousand feet in the air, which I, I mean, I don't think I don't think I could do. No, I've got a bit of a fear of heights. <laughs> you wouldn't get me doing that. <laughs> no, no. He's he's a and a sort of it's reflecting his demeanour as well. He's got a really upbeat, positive attitude to life, and it very much reflects. You know, he's the first person we'll see at the start of the day, and he's always positive. And you know, he's he's been a really great asset. To Bartrish and I, I don't know whether we'd be about him, truth be told. <laughs> yeah. Um, James, is there anything else you just wanted to add just before we wrap things up? Um, I think that was about all the things I wanted to cover, I believe. <laughs> oh, <excellent. laughs> I think I was looking. I was going through the checklist of my mind. I was like, yeah, that, that sounds like I could do anything. Yeah. I've done I've done my job. Just just uh, James, just remind me then how people can get in touch with Berkshire Vision. Sure. So probably the best way to get in touch is sort of through our website um, where we've got all the information there. Our, our telephone number is 01189872803 and our email is info at barchvision.org.uk with our website being barchvision.org.uk. James, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. The Big Interview. That was the big interview with James Garber from...
Berkshire Vision. Um, they do an awful lot of good work, and they've got a very important Christmas campaign, um, links to which will be in the show notes on your podcast player slash app. Um, right, it is time for the random question, guys. The random question. Random question time. Uh, I thought I'd try and just finish this on a, on an absolute high. So there is a COVID ban on this week's random question. Oh, good. Um, the question is, what do you want for Christmas? Or what would you like for Christmas? Either of those two questions. <coughs> well... That's a tricky one this year because we were just talking before we started recording about how we've all been having mass clearouts of our homes yes. to get rid of stuff. So then to switch that thinking to things, what do I need to have now <laughs> as well? Um, the, the only thing I mentioned last night to Rich was that I have one of the, <laughs> I'm like an old woman, I've got one of those microwave hotties, I call it. Yep my trusty hottie for when the colder weather comes in um and last night i found a little hole in him <gasps> and whatever the little things inside are which is like ot things yeah. it, it started coming out so oh dear. that's what i would like <laughs> it's not very exciting can, is it but... where can one buy you one of these rach Gosh, I don't know, a shop that's open, I don't know. But that's what I'm going to hopefully send Rich off to get me one of those. Oh, lovely. A woman of simple Hugh. pleasures. <laughs> Hugh, what about you? Uh, we're not allowed to mention the C word, are we? No. Um, I'll mention something materialistic now, because otherwise, if you say oh, like okay. peace on um, earth, I'm going to look awful. <laughs> no, I need to. I want some new cricket gear for next season because um, <laughs> this year was this year was it was it was fun, but it was we only had half as many games as we would do normally. Um, I would also like some more golf gear because I've taken up golf and okay. And the the first rule everyone knows about golf is that. If you're terrible at it, which me and all the people I play with are, you have to look the part. So if someone was buying some very expensive, stylish golf gear, <laughs> then at least I look good while hacking, hacking horribly around around uh, the, the golf courses of Berkshire. Um, and that that'll be it. I mean, to be honest, I like we were talking about throwing things out. I had a discussion with my partner, and she said, "I don't want any Christmas presents this year. I've got too much stuff." Um, she does not mean that. I know. Obviously, I was to do that and present her with nothing on Christmas Day. She'd go <laughs> crazy. So probably, much trouble. She'd probably leave me. Um, but uh, my um, my nieces and nephew, uh, sorry, my niece and nephews rather, um, are now of the age where they can get really excited about Christmas. So, in terms of what I want, it's I'm going to be looking to get them some good stuff because they will live in other parts of the country and I haven't seen them for for virtually a whole year. So at least if I can't see them, they can know who I am by me buying them things. So. Oh. 
so uh, that's that's what I'm looking forward to this this Christmas. The uh, the joy of children, other people's oh. children, who I <laughs> don't have to Tom, do all things. All things like, I your first with a small person. Yes, who obviously won't remember any of it because she'll no. only be three months by that point. You're um, still I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, I just I think I would just really like a new pair of football boots because it would mean that I was going to go and play a bit of football having not I've I don't know I can't remember the last time I played in an actual football match it will I think I think it's probably been it's probably been a year over it's just been over a year which is the longest I've been without playing in a football match I got I should tell you a little story Tom I got a message from my mate the other day yeah uh, and he said I'm looking to start a veterans football team <laughs> okay. which made me feel so old um, oh gosh! It, he, you know, and he is he, this. This this chap is a. Uh, he's very very fit. Runs a lot. Yeah. Slender, slender man. Um, and he he has obviously now decided that he's too old to play football. And he, we didn't have a discussion. We, we sort of skirted around the issue as to whether he wanted me to join this football team. <laughs> but, uh, I can certainly do a thing. Or, I know a thing or two about running a club, so that might be my that might be my role. Because uh, okay, not because you're a veteran. No, I, I I woke up this morning. I thought, oh, it, it would be the um, the annual cricket club versus football club game this weekend, <laughs> and I just thought, God, I'm so pleased it's not. <laughs> oh God, last year nearly killed me, and I'm a year older now, and uh, and uh, yeah, so I admire your optimism. I think I, yeah, I just I think I'd I think I'd like a new pair of football boots and go out and play some football. That's what I want to do. Okay, guys. Um, if anybody has any Christmas presents they would like and they would like to tell us about them, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. That's enough for this week. We will be back next week with plenty more, of course. We're still looking for people to speak to um, and someone that would make a good interviewee on the show. If you have any suggestions, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter, um, or you can always take the email address that Jeremy reads out and give us a shout. Um, if you have a moment as well on your podcast app, please give us a rating and a review. Uh, and we'll be back next week for more Reddingy podcast goodness. Bye! Bye! Bye. You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast.